This is The Think Tank with Dr. Mike O'Neill, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. All kinds of things going on in the political world this week, uh, and we have one of the best guests ever to deal with this. Rick DeGraw has been uh, doing politics in this state before most of you were born. Uh, welcome to the show again, Rick. Thank you. Okay. Biggest thing, you know, Senate audit report is out, and that is not the biggest story of the week. I think the biggest story of the week by far is the court sweeping, uh, striking down basically every single piece of significant legislation that the legislature passed this week because as all the big stuff was bundled in budget uh, bills and the court decided that, that there is a provision in the Arizona Constitution that says every bill shall have a single subject and it shall have a title that reflects what's in the bill. It's basically a truth in labeling law. Let me read to you some of the things that were knocked out. All of the COVID-19 measures... Uh, the stuff that uh, says you can't uh, require masks in the school and the like, the prohibition against that, that's out. And that was significant because it was going to take effect earlier this week. Uh, prohibition on critical race theories, prohibition on vaccine passports, uh, undercutting of the secretary of state's uh, ability to defend election laws in court uh, and some anti-voting uh, provisions to uh, to uh, strip the voting rolls. Uh, basically, all of this stuff. And by the way, we checked this out with our favorite resident attorney, Tom Ryan, who says, I, I said, listen, you know, I know that this is going to be, actually is already is in the process of being appealed. I said, what do you think is going to happen? He says he thinks that the uh, court was on very firm ground, that the constitutional uh, pro, uh, provision that for a single subject, even though it's been ignored here for years, is pretty solid. So uh, talk about this, Rick. Big well, first stuff. Of, first of all, it wasn't legislation. It was things that were tacked on to another piece of legislation. It was pure amendments. It wasn't legislation. The court said the legislation was fine. They Which just, is the budget, basically. The budget. They just violated the Constitution clearly and openly by throwing everything else on it. And earlier this week, the Supreme Court also said they weren't going to take the legislature's um, effort to put a hold on that stay that the judge issued. So, In other words, we get into double negatives. In other words, the judge's ruling is in effect right now. Correct. And not being held back. Correct. And and it's, it's really simple stuff. You can look at... at uh, constitutional uh, stuff all over the United States, and you'll find the same versions that say bills have to be about a subject. And if they're about that subject, you can put almost anything in them you want. But when they're not about that subject, when they have absolutely no tie to that subject— And the bill in question was about the budget. The bill in question was the budget. And the budget isn't a way to enact legislation. It is a way to enact a budget, and it has a special process that it goes through, special committees that it goes through, and everything that the legislature 
stuffed on the Republican legislature, I will add, stuffed onto there, had already been heard in other legislation and was unable to pass. And I think that was the key to this, right? That you got a, a lot of individual things that couldn't get the 31 votes. Right. You couldn't get a majority. And, and this, in other words, you couldn't hold together for anyone because Republicans control both uh, branches of the legislature. They could not hold all of their own people for any one of these things or else it would have been a separate piece of legislation. That's absolutely correct. And those people said, well, the budget's incredibly important. We don't want the state to go broke. We don't want the state to stop operating. Therefore, we'll vote for the budget, even though this stuff is on it. And the court rightfully said the Republican legislature was wrong. If they're going to do this kind of stuff, they have to do it with public hearings. They have to do it with legislation. They have to do it where, and, and get a majority in both houses. And they didn't do that. Did they, they by the way, did they honestly, say you had to have hearing? Because there's a uh, – let me explain this too first. Not to you, but I know you know this. There's a strike-all provision right. in law. You got a law about, I don't know – uh, you know, l- banning banning mice on okay, uh, banning mice, whatever, yeah. and they strike all. In other words, you take all the words off the piece of paper and you put in a completely different piece of legislation on it uh, that doesn't go through hearings. Uh, and my understanding is that's completely legal. They haven't struck down that process. Sadly enough, that e- is completely though, legal. So, so it's not that they didn't have public. They could have done it without public hearings, but they had to have people vote separately on each piece of legislation, not bundling it all into really a Christmas tree grab bag uh, kind of situation. That's exactly and that's correct. what they said. The Constitution clearly says you can't do that, and this court said you can't do that. And uh, your point about the Supreme Court reading the tea leaves, if they refuse to stay that order, it's it's at least an indication that they would lean that way in terms of supporting the, the judge when this thing inevitably goes through the appeal that it'll get. Correct. If it if they don't, it totally changes how Arizona passes legislation. It basically gives the legislature a free hand to do anything they want without any public input, without any real votes on anything, because just stick it all in with money and force people to pass it or the state will go broke. Now, just to change the subject, isn't that a little bit Aren't the Democrats in in the U.S. Congress trying to do a little bit of that as well, talking about throwing stuff in budget reconciliation? There is absolutely nothing in the U.S. Constitution about one subject legislation. Right, right. So, so in other words, the, in the Congress, they can get away with it because the the laws the the. the a U.S. Constitution is different from the Arizona Constitution, which has a provision that says. One subject, one vote. Well, the, the Arizona uh, uh, Constitution is different in a whole bunch of ways. Sure. It also says that uh, community colleges should be as free as practicable. That's the word they use. Um, and universities. And universities. universities. But uh, it doesn't define what's practicable. And, that's exactly and that, right. And, and that was ultimately, they said, as long as we're in the bo- was it, bottom half or bottom third of cost. Right. And, and that sure as heck is not free. That's correct, um, or anything anywhere close. It's as, it's it's basically you know as expensive as we want it to be, and we just say we don't have the money because we cut taxes every year. Right, <laughs> and sooner or later you're not if you keep cutting taxes, sooner or later you're not going to have the money. That's correct. So, and it's getting worse. So, does this change how we do things in the state of Arizona if this holds up? I, no, um, they've tried this before, mm-hmm. and it hasn't worked. 
there are a couple of cases from some in the last 20 years. There are a few cases where they tried it and it was knocked out. Uh, I believe what it says, once again, is that the legislature actually has to do some work. And this legislature is lazy, and it has been lazy for quite a while now. It would rather take the shortcut and not really worry about what people think about it or not really worry about what the law says about it. Let's just get it through. They're lazy. They, they refuse to take hard issues on. They refuse to make hard votes. And uh, it's it's gotten worse, not better. Well, I think part of the observation about this, isn't it, that they for for all of these add on things, they simply didn't have the votes. They did. They could not hold their own uh, bare majority. Absolutely. And uh, unless that changed, do you see uh, I mean, this you add all these things together. This is the whole Republican agenda for the year basically got wiped out. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, other than the budget, which, of right. course, they're in control. They got what they wanted. Other than the budget, this is – the year is basically a total zero. The legislature has done very, very little in the last few years, really passed very little significant uh, legislation. Um, and, again, it's pure laziness on their part. Mm-hmm. They refuse to work hard. They refuse to work long hours. They refuse to work longer. And they just keep trying to do things the easy way and forget about what the law actually requires. Well, we'll move on when we uh, when we come back with Rick DeGraw here. We're going to talk about the audit report just got released. Uh, were you surprised? Is there anything new? And what happens from here when we return with Rick DeGraw and the Think Tank? The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. It was, as I said earlier, an action-packed week. Just about everything you could imagine happening in our politics. We've already talked about how the court basically struck down almost everything that the legislature did for the entire year. Now, for the last six months, we've been engaged in uh, the uh, Arizona State Senate quote-unquote audit of the 20. Uh, 20 election, or at least the Maricopa County part of the election that dealt with Donald Trump and uh, the U.S. Senate race only, and uh, not other races or closer races, but those two, for some reason, were of particular interest. Uh, were you surprised? What, what, did the, uh, what did the audit say, and were, did, were you surprised? The audit said that Joe Biden won Arizona handily, uh, that Joe Biden was the person who— sh- uh, should have gotten the the votes from the state of Arizona. Um, it did, did. Pardon did. me? He did get them. He did get them. Um, the audit is a business. It is not something special. It's a business. And they were able to get people to invest $4 million or more. We don't know for sure yet, but at least $4 million in their business in order to raise havoc and raised doubt about the election processes in Arizona. Uh, basically, it's a business with income where stupid and hateful people can invest, and they did in large numbers. The fact of the matter is that they raised no real questions. They said that, well, Maricopa's count was correct. We did a hand count, and it was correct. There were actually more votes for Joe Biden uh, than 
Maricopa County had recorded. Uh, by the way, on that on that hand count business, I would I would bet uh, you know half my life savings that the electronic count is actually more accurate uh, than the uh, hand. Even uh, though the even though you know from what they 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 found what they didn't want to find, which is it, it, by the hand count, Joe Biden did even better. But frankly. <sighs> I've worked with human beings and machines. If you got a good machine calibrated correctly, it is more accurate. When you're doing, if you're counting 10 votes, I, I trust a hand count. If you're counting a million votes, people make mistakes. I agree. But what they did say was that they found questions about votes in other counties. Now, they were only investigating Maricopa County. They specifically refused to investigate uh, other other counties and other uh, campaigns, but they said they found issues with it. How? They didn't have the voting records from the other counties. They're just lying. And when you read through it, and, and I read through the entire report, it's one of the dullest and poorest written reports I've ever seen come out of the legislature, and that's saying a and, lot. And you've been a legislative staffer. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, 50 years ago, actually 50 years ago this coming February, uh, I started with them. The fact of the matter is this was made up uh, when they couldn't find anything wrong. They said, well, let's look at this and let's say this is bad. They didn't give any proof. They didn't give anything you can even check. And in fact, the issues that they did raise that could be checked were all answered prior to the release of their report in writing by Maricopa County uh, with specifics about what they missed. These people didn't know how to do an audit. They'd never done an audit before. All they had done was political work. It was stupid. It was feckless. And it was Karen Fan attempting to kiss Donald Trump's uh, as often as she possibly could, along with many other people in the state of Arizona, including Governor Ducey. You haven't heard Governor Ducey say one thing uh, about the audit not being correct, about the audit just raising foolish questions and being a waste of millions and millions of dollars. Well, on the technical issues, uh, Stephen Richer is here, was here and here for a full hour going through his objections to the whole process. And his office was live tweeting responses to uh, to the thing, you know, they they did two things. They announced the hand count, which was not terribly different from the machine count. Um, uh, and then they had what they said were a list of problems. And 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 Richard's office basically said point by point, uh, it had either either they didn't understand the law, they did what they're supposed to do. And he said that they will issue a full considered point by point response to every single thing that's in there they they gave a quick you know a, a live tweet you got you're limited in what you can say but uh um he uh beforehand was very circumspect about most things but when he got onto the subject of the cyber ninjas and their qualifications he was absolutely bonkers on the wall these people are simply not qualified and this is a conservative republican who was just offended as uh as a frankly, a very scholarly guy who right. just saw what he regarded as a bunch of clowns coming in and trying to, and then and then yeah. you have Mark Bernovich saying, "Oh, this is wonderful stuff, and I'm going to investigate it because it's absolutely awful that there would be anything wrong with with our uh, election." They didn't look at his election. Well, they didn't look at his numbers. You, but he's going to jump on board as a political exercise and spend more taxpayer money 
continuing this. Well, isn't doesn't this suggest that the real objective here, once once it was clear that they weren't going to find any fraud and they weren't going to find any basis for saying that uh, Donald Trump really won Arizona, that the the objective at that point simply became sort of throwing mud on the wall and and uh, dis- getting people to not trust uh, the results of elections. Absolutely what it was. And and it's so sad. It I've been around politics literally my entire life. And it, it saddens me that people would decide that our democracy is not very good and they don't like the way it works. They'd rather have uh, um, a monarch who tells them what to do and they'll all do it. And the Republicans who I used to respect uh, just jumped on board and decided that they were going to try to make as much hay of this as they possibly could. Um, the, the conversations I've had with folks who've talked to a lot of them is that uh, most of them, a handful of them, it's only a handful that are elected office. They really believe this stuff. The vast majority are just realizing that it, to survive in this environment, uh, I simply have to go along with this. So what you're saying is that because they don't really believe it, but they'll go along with it and they'll allow our democracy to be hurt and destroyed. They'll allow the faith in our elections to be eroded. That's okay because in their heart, they really know this is all crap. Well, not to me. To me, that says the same thing as people who say, well, you know, they might be hateful and they might be killing people, but they're really nice guys and they have nice dogs that they take care of. That's ridiculous. Well, um, but I don't feel strongly about this. <laughs> uh, I don't think we've seen the last of this in terms of the uh, casting of aspersions on the electoral system. But it seems to me like maybe Karen Fan would be just as happy if this thing just sort of faded away. That it was kind of becoming an embarrassment to you. We have more to come on entirely different subjects. As I said, been an incredibly active week. We got Rick DeGraw with us. We'll be back in just a moment in the Think Tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Uh, we're back uh, talking all things politics with the ultimate Politico, Rick DeGraw. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I have a very short question for you. Uh, Senator Kirsten Cinema, WTF? Uh, it's not a short answer. Um, first of all, I've known her and liked her and been a friend uh, ever since she came to the legislature. Uh, I've supported her, but I have real questions about what her purpose is right now. I don't understand it. Uh, I understand the desire to get the Republican Party to be like the Republican Party that used to be in the 50s and 60s when it actually believed in things and wanted a better life for Americans, uh, wanted better jobs, wanted uh, safe schools and things like that. But it's no longer that party. And they refuse to cooperate on anything, and yet she is holding out her support in order to win the cooperation of Republicans who aren't going to cooperate. I am incredibly disappointed, uh, saddened, and I believe that there will be many things that would make this a better country that won't pass because of two U.S. senators that refuse to support 
The other, I assume you mean, is Joe Manchin. Yes, but I don't know Joe, so I can't I can't really address his what he's about. But I but I know Senator Cinema, and I've respected her. I've thought she's smart and really cares about getting things done for people. And I just don't understand what's going on. I have there's two theories about this. One is that uh, this is a political calculation, and uh, that she's calculating that the activist Democrats who are very upset with her uh, when she's up for re-election will have nowhere else to go, that they will be facing uh, somebody from the extreme right of the Trump faction of the Republican Party and that they will have no choice but to go to her. And she will also endear, has endeared herself likely with this, with those, precisely those swing voters who in this last election voted uh, Republican in every election except voted for Joe Biden over Donald Trump. And those are the, the ultimate suburban women educated, you know, from Scottsdale Paradise Valley and the affluent parts of the East Valley, for example, and, and, and Phoenix. Uh, and that uh, that's so that's one theory. The other theory is that she just believes that compromise is possible, the, which which of the or do you have a, a third theory? No, which I don't, with these, which do you think is the is the case? I don't have a third theory. She's way too smart to believe that the Republicans under Mitch McConnell are going to change what they've been doing for the past decade um, to work with her. It, she's just too smart to believe that, um, and I am incredibly saddened. If it is the first assumption that uh, she believes she can get away with with playing this political game for the independent voters um, at the cost of every American uh, and the future of America, that would sadden me. I understand politics is part of being elected. Absolutely it is. It's a process that is nasty and dirty and makes everybody uncomfortable. But it does get things done. And compromise is wonderful, but not when compromise is impossible and has been shown to be impossible time and time again. So I don't have a theory. I think that's what bothers me the most, that I can't figure out why she would be doing this and hurting our state and our country. You're not alone. I mean, I have a, a conversation with a lot of very knowledgeable people about that, and everybody is just scratching their head saying, I just don't understand what, what, where she's coming from. Yep. So, uh, and, you know, I make an observation of a, of a couple of other – oh, by the way, if any, on the subject of the Republicans, you know, holding the line and I voting – I think the acid test indicator of that is the uh, extension of the debt limit. And which most people don't understand, but the the analogy that is correct on that one is has nothing to do with spending. You've already gone out and maxed out your credit card spending stuff, and you bought what you bought. There's no the, what you're what you're spending is no longer an issue, and the credit card bill comes in, and this is strictly: Are we going to pay the credit card bill or not? In other words, are we going to authorize the government to pay bills for stuff that they've already bought? Or are we just going to let the whole system come crashing down? And, uh, you know, th- this was a routine thing until 
sometime in the last 20 years when Republicans started to uh, uh, try to make political points out of this, pretending that they hadn't spent the money. But uh, it's unlo- no no legislature, to my knowledge, has anything like this. No other country in the world has anything like this. Looked into the history of this, and it 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 was put in originally in World War One uh, when they uh, had to impose for the first time an income tax, at which got a lot of objection and took a constitutional amendment to make the income tax legal. And it was kind of a sop to say, all right, if we're going to have an income tax, we'll have this additional thing that, that you know, Congress will have to vote to raise. Uh, but, you know, the the stuff you read about the consequence of this is catastrophic. And even when we've danced around the edges of this in the past, the stock market just goes berserk. Uh, people lose fortunes. People get, uh, you know, the government should, the craziest thing for conservatives is that they will send home government workers because they, quote, non-essential government workers will get sent home. And uh, but then when they they will ultimately settle this and then the folks will get paid back, they will get paid for not working. And and this is, quote, a conservative measure to streamline government or something. It's it's nuts. You know, Uh, it is it is, again, purely where the ability to be political um, messes up your ability to be economically sound. And they see it as a way to just, quote, blame the Democrats for spending, when in fact, as you said, it's been the Republican uh, presidential times that our debt has expanded, exploded, whatever. Look at every single president. And even apart from that. It's been spending that has been agreed to by a majority in every case. That's correct. And it's already spent. It's yes. not like we're arguing about what to spend next right. year. It's paying for stuff that we bought last year. Right. Uh, but, but, but that's not unusual anymore because, I mean, I know we're going to talk about the Secretary of State's race, but Mark Fincham, who's running for Secretary mm-hmm. of State, um, introduced legislation that w- would have prohibited Arizona – from implementing presidential executive orders, from any directives issued by a federal agency, and by any U.S. Supreme Court rulings. So Arizona would be a country on its own, able to do anything it wanted, no attention to law, no attention to, to practicality or to our economy. It's just incredible. That, that, that is a perfect segue into the next question that I was going to ask you about. I'm looking at the drift of politics within the Republican Party. It looks like, said Mark Fincham, endorsed by Donald Trump, for that reason, is the likely favor to be the Republican nominee for Secretary of State. And Kerry Lake, likewise, probably to be endorsed by Donald Trump, you, you saw the the uh, cheers that she got at a Trump rally, and you saw him take notice of that. He likes to endorse people that are going to win anyway. So you have two, the two most likely Republican candidates for the top two offices in the state coming from the extreme of the Republican Party. Is this is this a gift to the Democrats in a state that still leans probably its natural uh, number is probably about three percent Republican. <sighs> I don't I don't think it's a gift to Democrats. I think it is the sad state of the Republican Party uh, because let's look at the governor's race. Carrie Lake, she's nuts and she's gone crazy. Um, And Matt Salmon, who used to be a relatively reasonable 
relatively moderate uh, Republican is talking crazy. They, w- they want to see who can talk the craziest, who can be the weirdest. That's how you get the nomination, it and, seems. And, and, and then, then you've got uh, Karen Taylor Robeson, who is a very nice person, has lots of money, but has no platform. And Kimberly Yee, who has no record of anything special. They're all attempting to get as close to being as crazy as Carrie Lake as they possibly can. Uh, one uh, analyst in this station put it this way, said the rest of them are trying to be like Donald Trump, but Kerry Lake is Donald Trump. Well, that could be. Um, it's, it, it is a sad state of affairs. And again, my parents were Republicans. And the 1950s and 1960s Republican Party had uh, national platforms that were intelligent, that were conservative. The party of Nelson Rockefeller, Chuck Percy, or, or, a lot of or other... Dwight D. Eisenhower. Yeah. yeah. Um, this time around, they didn't even have a platform. They had Donald Trump. They specifically voted not to have a platform, just to do whatever Trump wanted. Because we're a cult of personality. Yep. So, Okay, we will return for segment four, an entirely different topic. We return with Rick DeGraw in the Think Tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. We are back with Rick DeGraw, longtime Arizona political, started out as a staffer in the Senate. Was it Senate or House? Senate. Senate. And I, th- I think you were uh, the uh, leader of the Democratic, the, uh, de- chief staffer in the Democrats right. side in the House in the 70s? 70s, starting in right. 72. Okay. All right. In the last week, we've been talking about big stories. Uh, Maricopa County Supervisor Steve Churchy, in a kind of a instant story, is caught on mic basically saying some nasty things about his uh, his fellow uh, county supervisor board meeting uh, board members and feels he has to resign. On the other hand, Alistair Adell, county attorney had folks in her office conspire with uh, higher offices uh, in the Phoenix Police Department to charge some uh, demonstrators demonstrating perfectly legally by everything I've seen with serious felonies. Uh, They were, you know, they were chanting anti-police slogans that some of which were stupid. But, you know, last time I looked, the First Amendment the protect stupid uh certainly does under donald trump and and (laughs) but uh criminalizing it and what what's really scary about this this appeared to not be the actions of a rogue prosecutor or a rogue policeman this was i think on the faces on the the stuff that the reporter from channel 15 that we've had here and here on several was a clearly a conspiracy they were threatening individual uh, uh, protesters with, hey, you better stop this or else, in effect, we can ruin your life. You know, showing the incredible power of police and prosecutors, even if they don't win a conviction. You know, if you get arrested, they can mess up your life. If you have the wrong kind of job, you can lose your job. You're held for indeterminate periods of time sometimes if you can't make bail. In other words, they can they can inflict very, very serious sanctions. And, and what 
there was one quotation of a police officer basically said to this one demonstrator, "You we could you know we can we can mess up your life. You know you better stop this kind of stuff." And charging felonies, which are which are you know serious crimes. Alistair Adell is the county attorney and is either complicit in all of this or is oblivious to all of this. Uh, she has claimed that she was she she has some genuine serious medical issues, but. There's a question of whether or not, uh, you know, she was so out of the loop, one would think that this sort of thing would be called to her attention. My question is, did the wrong county official resign? Well, first of all, let me back up. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors showed intelligence and strength and backbone in forcing um, the the Senate to not move forward and in, in trying to force the Senate not to move forward with the stupid audit. Uh, I give them great credit. I think they took heroic stances and lots of pressure. So did the Maricopa County uh, recorder. Um, and I understand that Steve wasn't very satisfied with his job anyway. Uh, and this gave him a chance to get out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made some stupid comments about people that he has to work with every single day. And, and the supervisor board is only five people. So it's, it's not f- like you're in the legislature where if you tick off a few people, you can ignore them. There, there's five people sitting at one table. You've got to work right. with these. It's kind of like being on the Supreme Court. You've got to work with these folks forever. Yep. Now, Alistair Adele is a whole different issue. I understand she has medical problems. I understand she might have problems of addiction. Um, And if she does, she should get them taken care of. But she shouldn't be doing it while she's the county attorney. She shouldn't be allowing – whether she knew about it or just went along with it, to me, there's no difference. Uh, She is as guilty as anyone in that whole process, should be held accountable for it, and should resign. Um, I don't usually call for people to resign, but she has been a disaster. Even people within the department say she's been a disaster. Uh, The fact that she would allow police power to be used the way it was used and knowingly support it uh, in the prosecution. And and the the issue went beyond the police department because there was a unit in the prosecutor's office that was completely complicit in all of this. That's correct. Police can arrest people and the prosecuting office is absolutely free to say we're going to decline prosecution on this. So, yes, I think the wrong person resigned. Although Steve would have had a hard time working with people that he basically trashed in public. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that that uh, the county attorney should resign. I think she should step aside. She should say, I'm sorry, and let the office move forward somehow along the line. And the the medical thing could provide the uh, excuse. appropriate excuse yes. to, that would would absolve Blaine. What do you think happens with that? I don't think anything happens. I don't think there's no way to force her to resign. Um, I think she wants to stay in the office and she'll probably try to run again. Um, So hopefully people will say, no, we just we just can't have this kind of ridiculous use of force on average citizens who are not breaking the law. But if you don't agree with them, you're going to try to ruin their lives. It just can't go on. It's it's a it's a scary illustration of how uh, police power 
can be misused. And, and look, I wouldn't want to be a police officer. I think they have an awful job. I think it's tough. Um, I understand their training needs to be changed some, but I applaud them for going on the streets every single day. But when you get to this level and when you get to the leadership level saying, okay, let's destroy people's lives just because we can, that's unacceptable. I mean, they were they were shouting things that police found offensive. Yes, I understand I mean, that. That, that. But I'm that sure you know, I'm sure I say things on a regular basis that people found, find offensive. We'll get we'll get letters. <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, but that's that's the way life goes. Uh, the fact of the matter is, we have moved aside from the old fairness doctrine. We have allowed people to get away with saying anything they want and literally with doing anything they want if they're elected to office. And we've got to go back. We've got to hold people responsible. We've got to have ethics in government. It's got to be something we take on, even though it's very hard to do. How do you do that in this environment? I mean, well, I, I you've been in this 50 years. I haven't seen anything at this level. I mean, the closest, the closest I get is the anti-war era of the late 60s right. where there was an absolute vilification of protesters. Um, you're un-American, you're a traitor. That, that, I mean, you did get that kind of rhetoric is very familiar. But I think this is probably worse. Well, I think this is more frightening. Mm-hmm. This is further along the, uh, uh, the road to a totalitarian approach. But again, in my opinion, there are two things that allowed us to get to where we are now. One was the repeal of the Fairness Doctrine, and two was Citizens United. Explain each of those, if you would. Okay. The Fairness Doctrine basically said that if you're going to give people time on public airways to say things, you have to get somebody with a different opinion um, to, to give them the same kind of time. And it didn't work in all cases, but it did give you a better balance. And Citizens United is when the Supreme Court basically said that corporations can spend as much money as they want attempting to influence legislation and influence public votes, literally billions and billions of dollars. And sure, there there were always ways around um, uh, giving money directly to candidates but with, when, not at this scale. Not at this scale. I mean, we're, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars uh, that winds up getting funneled in for people that are evil in their basic intent. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm also a former minister. So I have to look at the evangelical group of Protestant individuals and say, what are you thinking How can you possibly believe that the stuff that is being proposed now to hurt people is the way Jesus Christ would have wanted it to be? And I never take that kind of an approach, but I am appalled that the churches, the the multi-million dollar churches, uh, are as involved as they are in politics. And if they are, and, and I know they are, and we see them being involved, they should be taxed. And we should start taxing churches the same way we tax other other groups. I think you're saying if they are engaged in direct politics. Correct. So, okay, Rick DeGraw, always a 
Always an easy show to have you on board. Uh, we're happy to have you here and, and uh, get perspectives of a guy who's certainly been around. And uh, we will be back next week on a different uh, subject in the Think Tank. If you want to reach me, I'm at MikeO'Neill.org. And therein at that website, you will find links for various social media as well as contacting me directly. See you next week in the Think Tank.